What is up, everyone? It is your boy, The Tank. It's Wednesday at noon, and I am here to talk to you about college and NFL football for the next hour on Weagle 91.1 FM. Let's not waste any time and get on with the show. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to Tank Talks Football here on Weagle 91.1 FM. We are joined here by our, by, I don't, I don't know how to present you, Harrison Tarr from, <laughs> from uh, TNT in the morning. Thanks for having me on, Dylan. Yeah, good to, good to be here on uh, our second favorite, for my second favorite program on Weagle 91.1 FM. Tank Talks Football is always a favorite, but got to make sure you tune into TNT in the morning, even though we have kind of become one big blob. Yeah, of a media an entity, an entity, which is fine. Yeah, I, I I love it. So excited to be on here for the first time, man. I'm a big big fan of the show. I know, right? Uh, no one's a bigger fan than me, of course. You know, I'm I feel like I'm the only listener, except for China. Apparently, China has like a lot of downloads. According really? to really transistor, yeah. Well, I do listen to Tank Talks every single week. Uh, while I, I t- that's like my hour on my Wednesday when I get home. Uh, it's my decompress. I play like Rocket League or Madden for an hour. Now Madden's not decompressing either. Rocket League. I play Minecraft for an hour. And just uh, like listen to tank talks, and uh, it's also been good pl- flight entertainment for me, like on an airplane. So. Oh yeah, uh, we we'll start off. It was a it was not a weird week like it was last week. I feel like last week was very chaotic with all the stuff that had happened. But I mean, the big news like being Auburn. But I won't go into Auburn just yet. I kind of start off with Sanford at Florida, a game that turned into a very offensive matchup with no one was really expecting from a from a D1 school versus an FCS school, especially an SEC caliber team like Florida is. I know is you Florida have, an SEC caliber team? You're, you're about to open that door before we go on. Yeah, and I know you have some high opinions. Not, not not high opinions. You have some big opinions about Dan Mullen's situation right now. I had a hot take four weeks ago that Dan Mullen should lose his job. It's not a hot take anymore. It is no longer a hot take at all. I think all. it's the right take now. Um, he's on his way out. For sure, and he should be. Oh yeah, we have. There's a lot of coaching opportunities up out now. I feel like Dan Mullen. I don't know where he'd go after this. I, I feel like he might try to go to NFL. He gets a coordinating job if he wants it in college for sure. But I would think that uh, I would almost think that he would want to slide into that Jacksonville job. Should Urban Meyer leave Jacksonville, which I think that I don't know. I, I think that we both think he will. Yeah. Um, especially with the opening at USC and possibly LSU. I think LSU much less likely than USC. But I think that uh, Dan Mullen, if he doesn't want to recruit, the NFL's place to go. I don't think he's all that bad of a coach. I think he's an awful recruiter and not good at running a program. I think he was great at Mississippi State because recruiting is not a high expectation. Yeah. Florida's kind of a freebie. It's weird, though, because Dan Mullen did set an expectation at Mississippi State. Like, Joe Moorhead didn't last because of that. I right. Who else was the coach? At Mississippi State, there was someone between Joe Moorhead and, and Mike Leach. Mike Leach, I can't remember. I thought it was an interim between the two. Was it an interim? I can't. I thought remember. it went from Moorhead to Leach. Did it? Moorhead there had at least there two was seasons. someone that that we're not thinking about because I know that they fired someone like a year into it, and they fired Moorhead a year after that. There was just someone. It was like Keaton Thompson, kind of the the area of him. I mean, he's now a uh, Virginia. He's just—he's not even a quarterback anymore. He's now just a weapon they use because he's wearing number ninety-nine. Uh, Dan Mullen, then Greg Knox for just two thousand seventeen. Greg Knox, I would not have. Who was the interim head coach, and then Moorhead took over from eighteen, the eighteen year, the nineteen year, and then Leach is twenty twenty until forever. 
Gotcha. Until forever. So. <laughs> the air raid is dun 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 dun. dun. I love the, I love the pirate. Oh uh, yeah. Jake Gonzalez and I spent uh, 15 minutes in the office yesterday watching highlights of Mike Leach in press conference. Oh, he's such a such a good funny, watch. He's so funny in uh, conferences at all, I mean, especially interviews like uh, the one like two weeks ago before Halloween when they asked about the candy. Oh my gosh, he's right by the way. Oh yeah. Well, actually, no, false. Candy corn, not good. Candy pumpkins, good. I like the candy corn pumpkins. I like when he was like, uh, you got the 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 gummy bears, you know, the Haribo. Yes. My fa- my favorite line from him ever is um, uh, when he was talking about the different mascots in the Pac-12 and who would win in a fight. And he said, the Coug will find a way. <laughs> That's good. That's a good bit. Oh, yeah, and I love the one where he's like, well, they cared about scoring points more than their fat little girlfriend. Yeah, that's something that he got fined for, Um, and he probably should have. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, I don't want to ruin your show, but thank you for letting me get on the Mike Leach tangent for a second. Narrator Dan Mullen should be out of Florida. That's the conversation. Actually, if you're listening to Weagle 91.1 FM, that's the moral of the story is that because Mike Leach doesn't like candy corn, Dan Mullen should be fired at Florida. (laughs) And I don't know who they – I mean, Urban Meyer – could be someone they would go to, but I don't know. There's probably still some some testy waters going on. With Meyer? Yeah. You think Meyer would go back to Florida? Or you think Florida? No, he would never Florida? go back to UF. Do you, who do you think would be a prime replacement for Dan Mullen? Can we circle back to it? Let me think. Because yeah, I, I've, I, I, I've not had enough time to really sink into oh, yeah, the fact I that have, this is a reality. I have coaching coaching vacancies on my rundown later Perfect. on in the show, so we can. Give I, I just haven't had it, been given enough time because it's still fresh in my mind right now that yeah. uh, I'm right. I've been right this whole time, which just <laughs> doesn't happen to me often. I make a lot of bad takes, but I it's I got this true. one right. I got this one oh, right. Oh yeah, you definitely. Mullen I, should I be out of Florida. Crazy. I thought you were crazy um, when you said this. I was like, oh. and I kind of thought that it was one of my just wild takes, and I wasn't ever going to have to defend it. So. Um, <laughs> I will look. I will, I'll have to think. Um, I think Napier's going to get a lot of calls this year, so I think he. Oh, he's, I think you should. He's going to be a hot Fick, topic. Fickle. I know that you, you don't want him to leave Cincinnati, and that's fine. He but never leave Cincinnati. Um, Florida could throw him whatever he wants. Oh yeah. And I think Florida's more enticing the job than LSU. Lincoln Riley's also another person that's getting their name thrown around. That's, I mean, and James Franklin. Oh yeah, James Franklin always gets name thrown around. I feel like he's, but I feel like Penn State's definitely going to look to get rid of him we'll, after this year. We'll get to that, the coaching carousel. Exactly. Uh, so let's go back to stay in the SEC for a bit. Ole Miss, tra- Ole Miss takes on A&M. You have the team that Auburn beat versus the team that beat Auburn. And the team Auburn beat came out and won by 10 points. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I mean, I think Ole Miss is a better team uh, all around regardless. Uh, I, I honestly am not entirely sure that the SEC West standings are going to show at the end of this year who's the best in order. In the SEC West, I think Alabama's probably the clear best team in the SEC West. Yeah. Barring anything falling off the rails. Excuse me. Sorry, I had a tickle in my throat there. <laughs> um, had a hiccup, actually. I was trying to not hiccup on live <laughs> air. Um, but I think that uh, the, what we learned here is Matt Crowell's still well, freaking awesome. Uh, and Lane Kiffin's still an offensive genius. I mean, call him what it is. He's, he's a brilliant mind. Uh, A&M's, I've been on the wagon all year that A&M's an overrated uh, program. They beat Auburn in all – all phases of the game two weeks ago. Um, but any team can win on any game Saturday. If we already knew who was going to win, we wouldn't play the game. Exactly. So. It is funny to me that Zach Calzada was uh, – he threw two picks against a Ole Miss defense that everyone can agree is not good. Right. I think it was funny that they were able to shut down an AM defense. That, that was we, hilarious. That we saw kind of abuse in Auburn and Alabama defense that, I mean, we – 
kind of think sort of highly of at that point of the season. Yeah. It it was a funny game. I I I don't know. And the SEC West right now is such a weird concept to think about. The I'm fact still that, cheering for the tie. Oh yeah, it's it's, it's still so alive. Funny. It's so funny. Six-way tie in the SEC West is unheard of. Without, and, and you know, you know Auburn would represent the West in that case. Yes, I do. That's How bizarre hilarious. is that? If we somehow lose to Mississippi State uh, and Georgia in the same year and still find a way to win and make it, and play – if we play Georgia again, I don't know how good our chances are. I know how, how good Auburn's chances are if they play Georgia again. <laughs> Low? I think they stand the same chance of uh, of survival as uh, an ice cube in August in Alabama, like outside. Oh. <laughs> so fair chance. <laughs> yeah. For about 30 seconds, it'll sit there in your hand. Yeah, I'm going to go to the Big 12 for a little bit here. we got two, oh, ga- do. two big games. For- this is kind of SEC news. Oh, it is, uh, yeah, you got a point. It's a, a Big 12 and a half. You know, give that other half to uh, – And what you just said about Ole Miss A&M being funny, these, these games are hilarious. Oh, Nothing was as funny as Kansas beating Texas in, in OT Austin. in Austin in OT, going for two, throwing it to a walk-on tight end. Good for that kid. You saw he's an Applebee's commercial now. Oh yeah, yeah it's he's so Applebee's funny. Commercial. Good for him, honestly. I That's hope the song the other... isn't on the commercial. Oh, dude, me either. But <laughs> yeah, those those games were comedic. Um, yep. Texas is not back. I don't – let's pump the brakes on the fire Sarkeesian talk right now. He inherited a mess. Um, Texas has been a mess for the past decade. Yeah, it's, um, argue, it's like the same thing with Harson and the Malzahn situation where he just was ch- kind of just given a dumpster fire and has to, like, fix it himself. Correct, but Sark's not done as well as Harson has with the level of talent he inherited. Very true. And then, you know, have Oklahoma. That game was in Waco. Baylor took down the wrongly undefeated – Oklahoma Sooners. I don't know if they can hear me clapping back home, but I am. I am <laughs> cheering, not because I. I don't. I don't want anybody to think I'm an Oklahoma hater. That's really not where I'm at. I mean, I'm an Oklahoma State stand just for the fact that I've. I've been pretty public my whole my whole life about how much I think Mike Gundy's a hilarious personality and a great locker room guy. And actually, I think he's a pretty good football coach. Oh, he's um, at the end of the good. day. But I think it's hilarious um, that finally, Oklahoma has been complaining all year about how they're underrated and how they're getting disrespected for being, you know, number eight overall. When the Big 12 is objectively not good this year, Dylan. Oh, no. It's not good at all. And Baylor came in and exposed Oklahoma. Oklahoma fans want Rattler back now. It is... Was it Oklahoma fans or was that Baylor fans? You know... Either way, it's funny. Either way, it's hilarious. I, I didn't do enough digging into it. Um, I, it was it was a good one for Baylor, great one for Baylor. Oh yeah. Um, Dave Aranda is doing a great job right now. Phenomenal. He just turned that program around. Fen- complete one eighty. Um, Baylor's a, you're in you're out contender in the in the Big Twelve now. Um, so that's that's a, that's a positive outlook for Baylor fans. But I think this was a good thing for the College Football Playoff Committee. Oh yeah. And and they're gonna think it's a bad thing. Um, but Oklahoma being a one loss, no real impressive wins. Unless they win Bedlam, which we'll get there, and I'm, I'm probably going to scream 12 times in the next two weeks that Oklahoma State's going to win Bedlam in Stillwater. It does pose the question if the Big 12 can find a way to get a team in the playoff now. If they do, it's got to be Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. State. Oklahoma State is the highest ranked at 9, Baylor at 11, then Oklahoma fell all the way to 13. Whoever wins out is probably either going to be at that 4 spot or going to be in that 5 to 6 range because – I, does Oklahoma State already play Baylor, or are they going to play Baylor at some point? Oklahoma State's already taken out Baylor. 
They were taking down Baylor. So they beat Baylor. Oh, wait, excuse me. Baylor may be their one loss on the season. I'm sorry. And Big 12, if I'm right, uh, it's top two teams of the conference play each other, correct? Correct. It's just it's a spread in the conference so championship. Baylor and Oklahoma State would play Rematch. again. Rematch. And it'd be like a t- top ten matchup more than likely. So I mean, they get that could that, be a resume. They get that quality as long as neither of them lose before them. Oh yeah, if they beat Oklahoma, saying they beat Oklahoma, and they beat Baylor again, there's a good chance we could see them either make a run for that college football playoff spot, or they fall five six, which is still a good season. I, yeah. I feel like this is probably one of the better seasons that Gundy's had under. Barring everybody. if Gundy holds on and wins one of these last two games, uh, and, and you know he can drop. You don't want to drop Bedlam because you because that's that's your biggest rival. But if you if you even if he drops Bedlam, if he wins, uh, I, I'm not entirely sure who Oklahoma State plays this week, and I, I do apologize for not for not looking. But if if they take care of business and they they finish the season ten and two, this has got to be a top top three Gundy season of all time. Oh yeah, has he ever? He's never won the Big Twelve, has he? Never won the Big Twelve. Yeah, uh, I wish I'd. And they, I knew mind you, he can drop maybe both games and still be in the Big Twelve title game. Oh yeah, I feel like he's he's gonna get that one or two spot because I mean, he has he already has a head to head win over Baylor, so I feel like no. Matter I guess he has to win Bedlam to go to the Big Twelve championship, but you know what I'm saying. See, Oklahoma State plays Texas Tech this week, so eh. it's a fun game on paper. Yeah, another open head coaching vacancy. No, it's it's been filled. Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah, I got hired. They hired Baylor's like linebacker coach. Yes, I can't remember his name. I remember I talked about it later on. I know they were floating bryles around in that conversation for a while. Which feels like a bad bad idea. Yeah. What you do, winners and losers of the week. Um, winners, both Baylor and fans of college football, um, for the sole, sole purpose of now we're going to get teams that are deserving in the playoff. We're going to go to a quick break. Quick. When we come back, we're talking about Auburn blowing their twenty-eight to three lead against Mississippi. Were we the State. Falcons out here? <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to Tank Talks Football here on Weagle ninety-one point one FM. Now it's time to talk a little about Auburn. Auburn, of course, went up twenty-eight to. Three at one point, and then Mississippi State drove down the field a little too easily, scored a <laughs> touchdown, twenty-eight ten and a half. A lot of Auburn fans may have left the stands, and according to Bo, may have cost us the game a little yeah. bit. Yeah, I got some takes <laughs> on that for sure. Uh, Auburn, of course, then allowed six consecutive touchdowns before mm-hmm. was it six consecutive? Six unanswered. Yep. Which I, I know I'm gonna get some hate for this. From Auburn fans everywhere, but I haven't announced it yet. But my dog of the week is Will Rogers. Should be. As it should. 44 of 55, 415 yards. Dude balled six out. Six touchdowns, no interceptions. Yeah, it's when the this is that's such a testament to the air raid before we get into the Auburn faults. But the air raid, man, when it works, it is beautiful. Oh, when yeah. it doesn't, it is hard to watch. But when it works, it is a beautiful scheme, which is why when Mike Leach was a uh, – we could talk about Leach again. Let's go. Um, <laughs> when he was at Washington State, Washington State would upset teams for no reason on any given Saturday because the air raid is so difficult to defend when they're on. Oh, yeah. And you're and typically you're going to throw a couple of interceptions and you're still going to be in the thick of winning the game. I think someone said that no matter if they're winning or losing, Mike Leach will always be in the game. Yes. No matter what it is. Literally. He also he, he this is not even I don't even think this is his first like twenty five plus point comeback. Right, I can think of one off the top of my head where he came back by thirty five for against UCLA two years ago. It it's such a it, I know I said last week I think like I said a lot last week with A and M that that was one of the worst Auburn games I've ever watched. I think this one takes the cake. 
I think it was the worst uh, excuse me, 30 minutes of Auburn football we've seen all season. Oh, without a doubt. And some of the best 30 minutes at the beginning. I've never had a game. I cannot think of a game on top of my head where I started off so highly at halftime and then my hope just dwindled at the end of the game. It was There was a combination of factors. First off, let's go ahead and eliminate the crowd conversation. When you're up 28-3, to there's no reason that the crowd should play a role um, in, you, in, in aiding you. You need the crowd to aid you. To help them get you know confused on defense, it's always helpful to have to have oh, a crowd. Yeah. When you're up 28-3, um, you shouldn't have a problem. Even when you're up 28-10, you should. And, and if you're having your way, like Auburn's offense was having their way with the Mississippi State defense, which is by the way highly regarded. Oh yeah, top 25 defense in the country as of last week. Probably not anymore. But we're not looking at a problem with the fan base leaving as much as we're looking at the defensive collapse and offensive flatline of 2021 possibly college football period this loss for Auburn's embarrassing yes and we're going to talk about it on TNT in the morning when you're on on Friday um I'm looking forward to it I um I do want to put this to rest I'm kind of tired of the whole students left at halftime I was in the student section I'm, I'm an Auburn student here I'm a senior enjoying my last home games stayed until the until four, four minutes left in the fourth quarter when it became evident that Auburn was not going to come back. And I was like, you know what? I'm hungry. I had to get up early. I want to go get something to eat. And I'm um, going to go enjoy the rest of my day. Have fun. That's At the end of the day, it's a ball game, right? Yeah. I don't think that you can put a lot of blame on the, on the fans. Um, until the CBS contract dies, which is going to be good for the SEC, by the way. Oh, without a doubt. Um, and we can start having fewer and fewer 11 a.m. kickoffs especially with we're moving in the direction of ESPN Plus, which we talked about today in our, our 9 a.m. class about how that ESPN Plus is a beautiful thing for people like us. Yeah. Um, once we move in that direction and start bumping games back, I mean, this is Auburn's, what, third 11 a.m. kickoff this year? I can only think of the Georgia State game. Was there another one? Arkansas. Was, oh, Arkansas. Was Arkansas at 11 a.m.? Arkansas was 11 a.m., and so and Georgia State was, Akron. A, Akron was, three, was a two. Alabama State was Alabama 11? State was 11. 11 a.m. kickoffs are not good for fan attendance, no, and, and I'm not I'm not making excuses, but they're not good for fan attendance. Nobody wants to wake up at 9 a.m. For students, we got up. I had a couple of buddies in town. You know, got to get showers and go grab some breakfast so you're not starving yourself at the game or yeah. paying $14 that we can't afford for stadium food. We woke up at 6:30 in the morning to go to a ball game. Um, I have no problem with day games. None. I'd be okay. I think I'd complain less if it was a noon kickoff. 11 a.m. is outrageous. I don't, I'm looking forward to ESPN having the contract next year. If this is still a problem with maybe one or two 11 a.m. kickoffs on the schedule, we'll address it then. Auburn realistically should have four. This weekend against South Carolina should be an 11 a.m. kickoff. Oh, yeah. Uh, a game against two teams that are like actively in the hunt for the SEC West, That is pro- that should be like a – Give give them an hour, twelve, or maybe a a one, a two, maybe a three o'clock kickoff, maybe even prime time. This is a game where both teams are actively in the hunt for a conference championship appearance. Because I mean, we all suspect Georgia is probably going to be the team to win. Correct. I think this game should have been given a better time slot, considering the amount of importance that this game has. And I'm not making excuses for people leaving at halftime. That's uh, but ultimately, it's a personal choice. Um, that's, that's, that's your decision. I don't, for one, advocate for people saying, oh, we'll give people 
that want to be there ticket more than you give up your ticket for people that want to be there more than you as an Auburn student we get our four years you had yours to do with as you want. I can almost guarantee you you did not, did not stay for 60, all 60 minutes for every single ball game you were here. I'll put money on it. I'm not defending the Auburn students to the left. Uh, but like I said, personal choice. I My personal choice is regardless of how the teams are playing and how the game is going, I like to be at a ball game the entire time because I love the, the in-between stuff, the in-between yeah. play stuff too. It's entertaining, watching players dance on the sideline, things like that. You're a fan of the game. I'm a fan of the game. But also people go casually. It's a social event. Yeah. Especially... When you're 18 to 22, 23 years old, yeah, it's a social event. And whenever you see your team up by 25, you're like, oh, yeah, we got this in the bag. Not to mention Auburn lost to A&M last week. It doesn't matter, guys. It doesn't matter. Auburn's playing for a bowl bid now. Don't let this distract you from the fact that this was a tragic collapse. Oh, yeah. And Derek Mason should not have a job. Oh, he's probably going to be one of the first uh, people to leave. There's no way Auburn retains coordinators, right? Oh, no. I don't think so. I feel like Bobo has a chance to be back, but I don't think Mason does. How much does Mike's job have to do with the fact that his son's committed here? Probably a good bit. I'm not I'm not playing politics. I'm not playing politics. I'm playing devil's advocate. I mean, Muschamp's son came here whenever Muschamp was here. Right? And I think and left with him to go to USC, no? I believe so. And and that's fine. I have no If you want to go play for your dad, that's fine. I I, I really don't have a problem with that. Funny question is, does Mason go to a head coaching job? No shot. You don't think any of these, like, uh, West teams want him? No. Because we'd probably go and move to the carousel right now because UConn just fi- hired their head coach, Jim Mora, former UCLA head coach, 46-30 uh, with, fi- like, six years with the program, two and two in bowl games. Virginia Tech and Washington both fired their head coaches. Uh, Fuente, we all suspected, was going to be fired at, during this year, I thought he was kind of building a little campaign to keep his job for one more. He, but he's been doing that for three years now. Yeah, so. he he has a he's like a Gus Malzahn kind of thing where he just he wins the games he needs to win to keep his job. Right. And he Virginia Tech finally got tired of it and fired him after six years with with the Hokies, forty three and thirty one, one and three in bowl games, and. Washington, a team that is always in the hunt for that CFP spot and always either winning or runner-up in the Pac-12, just fired their two-year coach, Jimmy Lake, who went 7-7 seven and seven with the program. This coming off of a one-game suspension from Lake where did – you, did you see what he did? He slapped his player in the face mask for being stupid and trying to get into a fight. He got suspended for a game. I didn't see it. It, it's it's so dumb. I'm As sorry. someone who played football. This is a free 15 for the other team. Oh, yeah. And he's disappointing his players, but they don't really care. I mean, out West, they have different ideals than, I guess, the Southern like heritage football does. Yeah, well, there's a, there's, a, there's a handful of openings that interest me. I think the most interesting one to come open this weekend, VT is obviously appealing. That's an, that's an appealing job to a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Washington's an interesting case. Uh, I think that there's a p- large pool of, of coaches that would love to have their name thrown around in the Washington conversation. Not that's not to say VT is not, but let's look at recent history. Washington has been on on at the biggest stage. They've been to the college football playoff. Oh yeah, they've played on high levels, and 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 it's not hard to recruit there. VT not as easy, but I think that. Also, I mean, I'd, I'd rather coach in the Pac-12 than the ACC right now, just in the state of the conference. Oh, yeah. 
you, if you uh, Pac-12 job right now would probably get you a better job later on than an ACC job would right now. You'd probably be to be at, at Virginia Tech for a little bit longer than you would have to be at Washington. But if and v, VT is going to take a specific kind of guy. Oh yeah, they've been looking for their Beamer 2.0, and the problem is you're not going to find another Beamer, Frank Beamer. There's a Shane Beamer. You're not going to find another Frank Beamer. <laughs> Who's Shane Beamer, by the way, is awesome. Oh yeah, incredible head coach. Great, pers- great personality. Great personality. Great head coach. Has done great with South Carolina, given the talent level this year. They have nothing, and he's turned them into something. There are six jobs that I think are probably the biggest jobs, I think, that are open right now. is LSU, Southern Cal, Washington, VTech, TCU, and Washington State. I only have one confident answer. I don't know that he'll take it. USC's going to interview Meyer. Oh, yeah. I think Meyer's interested in interviewing there. I think that's pretty public. I think that I think this may be the year we see Joe Moorhead. We talked about him earlier on the show. Oh, yeah. Him back in a head coaching job. Napier, we talked about him a minute ago. I think he's going to get thrown around. I think Napier's the perfect fit for LSU. Uh, I don't know that they'll go with him because I think they're going to try to go with the headline. Um, but I think he's a perfect fit considering he's recruited so well at Louisiana. Oh, yeah. I still don't even have an answer for you for Florida, man. I just don't know. If the USC job does not work out for Franklin, could we see Franklin back in the SEC? <sighs> Would he be a fit for Florida? You're assuming that Franklin's leaving Penn State this year? I am assuming that because I actually feel like it's very highly that it happens. I think it's a mutual, uh, mutual parting of ways. Oh, yeah. Because I think he's going to be trying to go for that USC job or a Florida job. I think that it depends on if Meyer's serious about one USC. If Meyer's serious about one USC, I think we could see James Franklin at UF this year, next year. Because we're in agreement. Dan Mullen's all but fired, right? Oh, without a doubt. He's gone. After, especially after the Sanford win, I'm putting that in quotes, and what happened last week against South Carolina, I think Mullen is without a doubt gone after this year. If not, I very, I'm very skeptical of the Florida office. Oh, yeah, Gator fans, y'all have every right to be upset, oh, yeah. irate, X, Y, Z, and you name the adjective, and it's, it's it's all justified. And they're losing recruits quicker than you can blink. I would say that I think this LSU job is probably the biggest job opening right now. I know USC is a big market, but I think LSU is probably one of the few teams out of this out of this list that uh, that has the talent level to be competitive on a national level. I know you're asking to go to like the hardest conference in college football. And play Saban every year. And play Saban. Potential Bay Kirby. Uh, Auburn being on, we hope, a rise. Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo what Fisher. he's got building at A&M. That's been building for a half decade now, but that's neither here nor there. But look at Orgeron. He became a big name in college football because he was given a great team and a great name in college football to build up with that people suspect him as like a top head coaching candidate right now for people who don't really know or have watched LSU that much. People see him as someone that could go to this like a USC or like a Washington or somewhere around there. I think he, I think contrary to what he says, he'll 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 listen to interviews and offers too. Oh yeah, because money money st- money talks. I mean, he's gonna get paid to sit on his butt next year, but yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, we're gonna go to a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we're gonna talk a little NFL. We right back here on Weagle ninety one point one FM. Welcome back to the back half of Tank Talks Football here on Weagle 91.1 FM. We're going to talk a little NFL. And as a Carolina Panthers fan, 
I have a lot of hope building up for the rest of this year. I'm glad some of us in this room had fun this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cam Newton, as he says, is back. And you know how much of the playbook he knows? None of it. Two touchdowns worth. <laughs> That's what he said in the, uh, in the press conference. That was eight, incredible. Eight passing yards worth and 14 rushing yards worth of it. <laughs> but two touchdowns. He'll be the starter this week. He'll be in shape. Uh, I, I have high aspirations for Cam this year. He is currently taking first-team reps. He probably more than likely will be the starter versus the Washington football team. A reunion of Ron Rivera to the pan- and the Panthers. Riverboat Ron. Are we allowed to call this the Ron Rivera Bowl? I'm fine with it. Okay, so the Ron Rivera Bowl this weekend. <laughs> uh Panthers looking looked pretty good against a Cardinals team, but I mean they did have Colt McCoy and they were out. I was about to say no Kyler Murray, I kind of just take it. And no D Hop either. Yeah, but Colt McCoy did play pretty pretty well last week against. I can't remember who they played, but I think the Panthers are a, a good team again. We finally got a quarterback that we can trust with the ball in his hands. We're hoping. <laughs> Because uh, I know Sam Darnold, we were, I was very high on him. I know you were high on him. At I was super high on Sam Darnold. And at as soon as McCaffrey went down, it, every high hope I had for Sam Darnold just dwindled further and further down a pit. Yeah, that's justified. Uh, he trailed off hard. I was loving having him on my fantasy team. Started him for a couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. Had fun. But uh, then I eventually decided that I was going to go with the safe bet and just get my 20 points from Matthew Stafford and call it a day. <laughs> And, you know, my Panthers won. Uh, I know, Mr. Tar over there, you're a <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Die hard, born and raised. And y'all gave the Lions their first non-loss of the year. I'm not going to call it a win. <laughs> you know what, NFL fans, you're welcome. Um, can we talk about how hilarious it is that Ben Roethlisberger self-reported COVID um, for a second? Uh, <laughs> Did he really? Yeah, he self-reported. Um, it's It solidifies the kind of common theory and conspiracy that Ben Roethlisberger, when he sees somebody else have an, have an injury, he's like, oh, wait, I have that too. Um, Aaron Rodgers, when he got he got injured and got put in a boot a couple years back, Ben Roethlisberger's like, oh, wait, no, I need my boot again. And then Aaron Rodgers gets COVID, so now Ben's like, oh, wait, I forgot. That's an injury I haven't had yet. I Yeah, I have COVID. If Ben starts, does that game end up any differently? Than oh, absolutely, ben? for sure. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I don't particularly think. I mean, I've been pretty, pretty public about Ben Roethlisberger is not the future of the Pittsburgh Steelers anymore. We know this. Oh yeah. Um, He's been the future of the Steelers since what? Oh <laughs> four. No, that's not true. That's not true. We've won. We've been to. We've won. Excuse me. Been to. I guess since oh four, we've been to three Super Bowls. Won two of them. Yeah. Um. So, but Roethlisberger is not the future of the Steelers, and neither is Mason Rudolph. Um. It was it was hard to watch. It was painful to watch. But you know what? At the end of the day, um, I'm I'm a fan of the game. Um, good for the Lions. Good on the Lions. We get to look and try to figure out and just get mentally just stuck about who's actually in contention in the AFC North now because nobody understands how the tie works. So there's a lot of fun things that go into a tie. And Najee Harris not knowing that there was such thing as a tie was hilarious. They need to get rid of the whole t- – at least give it another overtime. Having, having a tie in football is, is the dumbest con- conversation. I don't know how they were just so fine with it back in the like the 1920s when it happened so often. Have you have you heard the Donovan McNabb quote about ties? I may have. It's something to the effect of after when he was playing for the Eagles, uh, after they, they tied with, I, I can't even remember who, but um, I heard this on one of my other podcasts I listened to earlier in the week, um, part of my take by Barstool Sports. But it's something to the effect of, Man, 
I didn't even know you could tie. I'd hate to see what would happen in the playoffs or the Super Bowl. And I think that's hilarious. <laughs> Actually, we should have a tie in the Super Bowl. Could you imagine if a team had to share the Lombardi? <laughs> you cut it in half. That's the only way you do it. There's no two trophies. You cut it in half, and then you have to share a joint parade in both cities. Good God. How hilarious be would that be? so funny. Especially like, imagine like two toxic fan bases are the ones that in the Super Bowl. Chiefs and Eagles. Chiefs and Eagles. I was going to say like Cowboys. Raiders, Eagles. Raiders, Cowboys. Oh. Kind of thing. Nah, you got to throw Philly fans in there. Yeah, they are pretty toxic. I'm not. I'm not throwing them under the bus, but they are a rowdy group. It's, uh, I know some of the most toxic fan base I've been encountered with are the ones in my own division. Uh, the Saints fans are some of the worst fans on social media. I wouldn't. You're just. You just feel attacked. Saints fans are cool. Yeah, I will say I like testing the waters a little bit. I always tell them, "Oh yeah, that was not pi." I grew up in Atlanta. So my second favorite team, you know, this is, is the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, the um, teams got waxed by the Cowboys. <laughs> thumped by the Cowboys. And are going to get thumped on Thursday, uh, tomorrow night uh, by the New England Patriots. Oh, yeah. Which might serve as a perfect segue to your next point. But I, um, I just remember quite, quite vividly, um, you know, growing up in Atlanta, being, you know, being a Falcons fan, and we, we're accustomed to playing Philly sports often. Not, not the Eagles, but other, other teams. Um, they're a rowdy bunch, but also you can't get too involved and like get too deep in social media and get into the banter. I just enjoy the game; like it's just funny, and I love I love passionate fans. It's it's the greatest thing ever, and it, that's that's the only reason I enjoy the NFL. College football is infinitely superior. Oh, superior by a long shot. But uh, you brought me to my next point. Uh, Mac Jones threw for three touchdowns against the Browns in a forty-five seventeen win. Social media page needs to chill out because uh, people were riding high on Mac Jones right now. I mean, he did play pretty well and has played well all season. But calling him the next Tom Brady after two okay, weeks, yeah, that's overkill. But two weeks ago, they were saying that oh well, maybe Belichick missed on this pick, and then the next week he throws for like two hundred fifty yards and two touchdowns, and they're like oh well, is this the next Brady next next goat in the making? <laughs> I, let, let's let's pump the brakes on calling uh, Mac Jones the next Tom Brady, but let's also acknowledge, I mean, the kid's a baller. He can play football. Um, he, he is the best rookie quarterback right now. He exceeded my expectations. Um, if you would have given me, if you would have looked at me and said, Harrison, do you think, when they were in college, um, Mac Jones, Tua Tagovailoa, or Jalen Hurts will be the most successful in the NFL, I would have looked at you and said, Tua, Jalen, everybody else, and then Mac Jones in that order. And... Mac Jones has proven to be probably the most successful of the three. Oh, without a doubt. We don't know about. I think Jalen is on the up and up. Good for good good two, for Jalen. By the Tua way, Tua is a question mark because one, he's not healthy. Well, ever. Uh, th- that that's also becomes a detrimental problem in 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 the, in the professional football football realm. Um, if your mo is being injured, almost like the Christian McCaffrey that we were afraid of, and definitely the Saquon Barkley effect. Yeah. Um, you could be ridiculously talented. I, I think Tua Tagovailoa is absurdly talented. I would put him in my top, like, Bama quarterback of all time list. Uh, uh, absolutely. Actually, those three guys are in my, probably in my top five Bama quarterbacks oh, yeah. of all time. Um, I don't think Joe Namath would be in mine. I think Joe Namath would sneak in at four or five for me. I think that Tua may be the best Bama quarterback of all time. And I think he's ridiculously talented, but his injuries are going to be his Achilles heel. Exactly. I feel like his heel is one of the things that does get broken a lot. <laughs> yeah, literally. Literally. <laughs> 
What else we got for me, Dylan? What else? Uh, the You're testing my NFL knowledge. The people's is, quarterback, Mike White, has just been. Benched. I don't know. We were talking about Taylor Heineke on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we will hear a lot about Taylor Heineke this week when the Panthers play him. But Mike White can try He's, to bench for Joe Flacco, who I forgot was still in the league. Well, he got traded back to the Jets, which is hilarious. From where? Denver. When did he go to Denver? I'm so out of He the, started for Denver for a minute there, back when Drew Locke was the answer. I'm just so out of the Joe Flacco. You loop. see, I just said I don't know anything about the NFL, but here I am spitting facts. <laughs> um, I kind of want to – I thought he retired. Well, let's go ahead and get this one fact, statement of fact out of the way about Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco is elite. At one point, he was the best quarterback in the NFL. Just ask Joe Flacco. He'll tell you. Um, it doesn't matter who's starting for the New York Jets. I think not starting Wilson when he's not 100% and not playing him for the rest of the year is probably the best decision. Probably. There's no offensive line. He has no weapons. The kid's ridiculously talented. And the reason he got hurt is because he got lit up. And he wasn't playing terribly. I mean, I mean, he was throwing a lot of interceptions. A, but that, that's to be a lot of his interceptions were not his fault, though. A lot of them were tipped. The amount of the amount of off the chest miss, just drop balls that turn into interceptions. And I feel bad, Zach Wilson. I feel bad for Zach Wilson. I do too. I, if their best receiver is Corey Davis, who on any other team is a wide receiver three. I mean, he's the second best quarterback to play at MetLife Stadium this year, but behind Mike White. Oh wait, Daniel Jones. Yes, uh, my third favorite NFL team, the New York Football Giants. Um, Daniel Jones actually has had a good year, by the way. Danny Dimes, yeah, he's been playing pretty. He's, dang he's been good. playing pretty well. Um, has Saquon been playing all year? Or has Saquon's he- been out for five weeks now. I know this because I have their backup running back on my fantasy team, who's actually surprisingly good. Um, yeah, just on the note of uh, Mike White not not playing, him calling himself a first round, a number one overall pick, and then throwing five interceptions. Four. Four. Hilarious. Um, Joe Flacco starting it. for the Jets. Hilarious. Daniel Jones being the best quarterback at Met, uh, I'm sorry, J- MetLife. No? Yeah, MetLife. MetLife. Hilarious. And my, I'm just going to move on to my last thing because we only got two minutes before we got to go into my into the last break. Odo Beckham Jr.'s debut for the Rams. Another thing that's hilarious. He – Ended the day with two catches for 18 yards. I'm actually really kind of mad at OBJ. Me and him have personal beef right now because I called before this game that OBJ was going to have two catches for a total of 37 yards in his first game, and he had two catches for 18, which means that I was kind of a wizard, by the way. Um, get the catches right. I, I did get the catches right. I mean, to be fair, he had, what, five targets and only three catchable balls? Yeah. And one was in good coverage. Um, it'll come along. Like <laughs> Rams fans, don't panic. Yeah, I mean, you still have Cooper Cup, who, thank you, Matthew Stafford, for Cooper Cup. He has been carrying my fantasy team all year, and I love it. Not just that, it's 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 hard to not cheer for Matthew Stafford. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, I, I know that a lot of people listening right now, and I'm going to be quick, so I know you got to get a commercial. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people in Auburn, Alabama, probably don't have a lot of love for Matthew Stafford since he went to the University of Georgia. I have a hard time not cheering for his success. Uh, he's probably my favorite quarterback in the NFL. Um it's fun to see him actually be able to use his talents on a team that's going to support him. Yeah, I put him in my top three quarterbacks of all time that I that I like watched myself. That you enjoyed watching. Yeah. Okay. Because you know he's that guy you go you you go to your Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving trademark. You go to yeah. your Thanksgiving, <laughs> Thanksgiving dinners. I never really talk to my family all that much when I'm there. I just kind of sit down and watch football, and every year it's watching Matthew Stafford either light it up or get lit up because the Lions are always bad. And I remember. 
my favorite one of my favorite games was the uh, one of the Calvin Johnson games where <laughs> he went off. Uh, yeah, I love Megatron. Glad he's in the, glad he got respect and got got into the Hall of Fame, even though he's, uh, his career kind of got. I'll leave you with this tidbit before we go to commercial break. Um, right here on Weagle ninety one point one FM, you're listening to Tank Talks Football. I grew up in a Georgia Tech household. We are Calvin Johnson stands, and man, was it fun on Thanksgiving. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back in two minutes. Welcome back to the last segment of Tank Talks Football here on Weagle ninety one point one FM. We're gonna wrap up the last let's see about eight minutes, seven minutes of the show by doing our. Predictions for this week of NFL and college football. Start with the NFL because it's uh, it's the closest game I have on here. Thursday night football we got New England traveling to Atlanta for a little Super Bowl what forty fifty one rematch. Yeah, Super Bowl L number one, yes. And I feel this one's going to have the same exact outcome with the Patriots taking it. Well, this game comes after my lock of the week, where Northern Illinois is going to trample Buffalo tonight in action. But I'll let that one slide that you left the Mac off of the rundown. Um, <laughs> give me give give me the Patriots. I don't think it's close. Yeah, moving on to the Sunday uh, schedule. We got Indi- Indiana, not, not Indiana, Indianapolis going to Buffalo to play the Bills. The Bills are a seven point favorite. Nothing they cover that. Bills been on a skid. I think they pick it back up now. Colts trending upward. Give me an give me an Indianapolis. Uh, Green Bay at Minnesota NFC North action. I think Green Bay is a better team. They got Aaron Rodgers, and did they get Devontae back yet? Devontae Adams is questionable for this week. Uh, no matter who's playing wide receiver, I still think Aaron Rodgers is probably going to take over this game. I mean, Minnesota is not known for beating Aaron right. Rodgers. <laughs> so, give the Packers. <laughs> I like Packers in this one. Vikings could pull uh, pull it off uh, if Kirk Cousins remembers that he has receivers not named Justin Jefferson. Oh, wait. Adam Thielen's still on the Vikings, right? Oh, yeah, but he's not getting targets. Ask me how I know. <laughs> uh, then we have my team uh, taking on the Washington football team. Carolina's a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Maybe get to see Cam Newton take his first start of the year. Give me the Panthers. Out of principle, I will never pick the Washington football team. Take, give me the Panthers. <laughs> uh, Cincinnati Bengals go, travel to Vegas to play the Raiders. Since he is a one-point favorite, I think the Raiders are kind of on a downward slide right now. Oh, for sure. The entire AFC West is on one, besides the Chiefs, who's trending upwards now. So give me the Bengals here. I think Joe Burrow's Bengals. Uh, I'm with you. Joe Burrow's going to light it up. Uh, Sunday, not Sunday Night Football. Uh, thir- three o'clock kickoff. Dallas at Kansas City. Chiefs are a two and a half point favorite, and with how they've been playing recently, I gotta give it to the Chiefs. Big opportunity for, and this is in Kansas City. Yes. It? Okay. Big opportunity for Dak and the boys. Uh, I still think Kansas City walks away with a home win. And moving on to Sunday Night Football, your Pittsburgh Steelers travel to Los Angeles to play the Chargers. Chargers are a five-point favorite. And I'm sorry, I can't pick your Steelers in this game. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't pick my Steelers in this game. Justin Herbert has been too good, and that Pittsburgh secondary has been not good. Minus Minka Fitzpatrick sometimes. Give me the Chargers. Uh, then we got Monday Night Football, New York Football Giants. Travel to Tampa Bay to play the Buccaneers. <laughs> Who you got? Uh, the Buccaneers are a 10.5-point favorite. I feel like it's pretty easy to beat the Buccaneers here. <laughs> well, hear me out. Hear me out. Tampa Bay has been on a slide. They need a bounce-back win, so that means I should pick the Bucks. but give me the New York football giants. I hope you're right. The more, it would the be more, hilarious. The more the Bucks lose, the higher my hope gets for the season. It would be hilarious. Oh, it'd be so Tom Brady funny. getting old, question mark? 
And going on to our Saturday lineup of college football. Let's go. 11 a.m. kickoff. Michigan State, the number seven team in the nation, travels to Columbus to play number four Ohio State Buckeyes. The Buckeyes are a 19-point favorite. And I would love Michigan State to play spoils here. I just don't think they have the firepower. Yeah, give me the Buckeyes. Buckeyes. Iowa State travels to Norman to play the Oklahoma Sooners. Yep. OU is a four-and-a-half-point favorite. And, you know, know what? Give me, give me Iowa State. Give me Oklahoma. Uh, we got the number 10, Wake Forest Demon Deeks travel to Clemson to play the Tigers. Clemson is actually a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Yeah, I'm taking the Tigers in this one. I probably shouldn't, um, but I, I, I think that Dabo's kind of course-corrected as the season's gone on. Uh, I like Clemson to win this one. I, if they do it in convincing fashion, they'll find themselves back in the top 20, 25 next, next week. I don't want that to happen, and I've been riding high on the Deeks all year, so i got to keep going. i got to stay with my guns with Sam Hartman. Fair enough. Uh, then we got SEC West matchup. Arkansas Razorbacks travel to Tuscaloosa to take on the Tide. Bama's a 20-and-a-half-point favorite. Three words. Woo, pig, suey. Taking the, you taking the Razorbacks here? Rolling with the Hogs. I could be wrong. Um, this is going to make a break. Obviously, this doesn't count for my record on my show. I may take Bama on oh, Friday. Yeah. <laughs> but I like the Hogs in this one. Just Someone's got to spoil. Um, Bama's played close with a lot of teams they shouldn't have. This feels like a, team, a game, the trap game for Bama. I would say that, but Arkansas has not been playing as well as they started off the season. So I got to go with the Tide here. And if one team's going to play spoiled to Bama – Auburn. It's going to be Auburn. Right. Uh, then we have a, the most important game for Cincinnati this year. SMU travels to the Cincinnati Bearcats. Cincinnati's a 12-point favorite. Give my Bearcats. Bearcats. I'm Bearcat, with you. Bearcat up. Uh, keeping it in the group of five, UAB travels to San Antonio to take on the Roadrunners. UTSA is a five-point <laughs> favorite. And Meep Meep. Give me the Roadrunners. Meep Meep. Yeah, I'll take, I'll, I'll take UTSA. I will say I do love both those teams. I think I think everybody who lives in Alabama loves the UAB Blazers. Oh yeah, I, I I'm not even from Alabama and I love UAB. Yeah. Uh, f- keep going to the SEC East. Florida at Missouri. I only have this on here because it's kind of funny. Florida's a seven half point favorite. Give me the Tigers. I like Mizzou. Uh, for Louis- obvious reasons. Oh yeah, Louisiana Lafayette travels to play the Liberty Flames. Liberty's a four point favorite, but give me the Raging Cajuns. No, no. Give me Liberty Malik Willis. Malik Willis is the only offense they have on that team. That's Give me Malik Willis. Heisman moment. <laughs> Heisman moment, <laughs> he says. Okay. Uh, then we have a possibly a Pac-12 uh, championship preview. Oregon travels to play the Utes. Utah is a three-point favorite. I have no That's faith in the Ducks. I don't, think, I don't think the Ducks have a chance in this game. Give me my Utes. Quack, quack. I'm taking Oregon for sure. <laughs> why, why Oregon over the Utes? Just riding high, playing better football than they did at the beginning of the year. Uh, I mean, losing Tribodeau is a big deal. but Have you seen how the Utes have been playing, though? Cool. Have, nope. you, seen, have you seen my yeah. guy Cameron Rising, cool. who is on the rise? Yeah, cool. Oregon. <laughs> okay, man. <laughs> Disrespect my Utes. Oregon by a tutty. All right, well, that's all the time we have here on Tank Toss Football. Thank you, Mr. Tar, for joining us. Yo, you're welcome. Sorry, I thought we were about to do the Auburn pick before <laughs> we slid out of here. I thought we were Oh, yeah, Auburn. I forgot about that. Yeah, my bad. Uh, Auburn, South Carolina. <laughs> Sorry. 
uh, everybody listening to Weagle 91.1 FM. We appreciate your listening, but <laughs> Gamecocks by seven. I'm hesitant to agree with you, but I feel right now I'm not too high on Auburn. And if we play like we – I don't trust TJ Finley enough, I got to go with the Gamecocks. We're, like, we are going to have to, like, walk out of here with shields on. <laughs> yeah, we literally are. I'm going to put on my, my, my riot shield make sure we're not, not injured. Thanks for having me on the show today, Dylan. Make sure to tune in. Dylan Lark, your host of TNT uh, – excuse me, Tank Talks Football will be on TNT in the morning right here on Wingle 91.1 FM on Friday at 11. All right. With all that being said, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. If you missed any part of the show, make sure to catch the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. I'll be back next Wednesday at noon on Weagle 91.1 FM. You can follow the station's Twitter and Instagram at Weagle underscore AU for events, announcements, and more. If you can't make it to a radio, you can listen to our live stream at WeagleFM.com. As for me, come back next Wednesday at noon for more Tank Talks football.